The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. And Monday is upon us, and it always makes for an interesting Monday trade. We're going to dive into the details with Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. Let's We're going to switch things up for our listeners a little bit here, Mike. We're going to look at the, the livestock side of it. And you talk a little bit about markets are worried. Uh, I'm sure livestock producers are worried about the futures market and the glut that's being seen in the because of the cold storage report. Yeah, I wanted to bring this up a little bit on today's report mainly, Susan, from a standpoint that we are in kind of the hot seat with NAFTA and in the hot seat with the European Union right now. In other words, we're kind of where we were with China about four weeks ago um, when it comes to the EU and the NAFTA negotiations. In other words, if we don't get something done relatively quick this week in the EU and probably in the next couple weeks uh, when it comes to NAFTA, especially with with Mexico and a lesser degree to, to, to with the Canadians, um, we may be wondering whether this market can hold up, you know, kind of like what we did with the soy complex. And it's interesting to watch and see what's happened since April. The hog contracts lead month, it was trading around $50 in April on its low, and it was able to rally to 80 It has since now, with the August futures being lead month and taking over just about a week ago, come back down to about $66. But you compare that to the soybeans, you know, that, that's an upward move. The soybeans, they've gone from about 1070 back in April on a, as a high back down to around 8, 811. And so you've had this completely opposite trade. And that kind of bothers me, especially in light of these trade negotiations. Well, fast forward to today, and we had an article in the Wall Street Journal, CNBC picked it up, and Chicago colleagues were talking about it in the idea that this cold storage report coming out uh, Monday afternoon, we could be talking about a meat glut. And, and I think this is just a heads up to the livestock producers, especially the uh, hog producers, but to a lesser degree, the feeder cattle producers, because here again, feeders have rallied from about 128 in April up to 153, and you've got a premium in this market, even though you've got some pretty ugly trade situations and currency situations brewing if we can't get these things uh, reversed pretty quickly. You know, Mike, it seems like the minute the national mainstream news picks up on stuff, there seems to be more of a feel of panic amongst amongst not only just the traders, but just in general. People hear the word meat glut, they hear concerns with global trade. When it's being talked about on the ag side, it's like, okay, it doesn't affect me. But now as a consumer, when you've got entities like that talking about it, I'm sure it causes some nervousness. Well, I think, you know, what I've learned in the last uh, 10 years, essentially since the financial crisis, by and large, if the consumer and the retailer and the grain elevator um, feels as though they don't really need to buy because prices are going down, that deflationary mindset that you and I talk about in the currency markets when it comes to the funds and buying the dollar versus selling the dollar, well, it's kind of a similar situation on the cash side of the equation. If you feel like you can go hand-to-mouth and your expectations are for lower prices, that's a hallmark of you know retail deflationary pressure. And I think that's where your point's really valid and well taken. And I will say that looking at the last commitment of traders report from this past week, we do see live cattle now as far as non-commercial net long positions, futures and options combined they're striking the highest level in 2018 
at a little over 53,000 contracts. Hogs, the funds, the non-commercials have been able to trim their positions. They've carried a negative position, uh, but just slightly negative pretty much all year since May uh, in, in terms of, or I should say all spring since May, and they're down about 3,100 contracts. But back during the time period of early June, the, the net short uh, total was around 11,000 contracts, so almost four times that level that we're at right now. So there is room for them to increase their short position in the, in the sense of hogs, and they could go from a, net, a large net long position in cattle and feeders to a net short position. So that's something else to really watch from a standpoint of your point being very valid as whether it's being factor, having been factored in or not. So how long or how long can we expect? I mean, these hogs really have had some struggles as of late, and I was doing some reading earlier that you were talking about just really lack of buyer interest for that market at this point. Yeah, and see, the, the other thing about this too, Susan, is that we're such a global market that what's going on in China, I'm nervous, is going to start to come over in our area. And we had news just come about Sunday that a pretty decent-sized uh, soybean crusher in China went ahead and filed bankruptcy, and in no small part because uh, livestock calling and hog calling has been herd liquidation has been going on in China the past couple months in anticipation of these tariffs. And so you had this initial hit to the soybean complex. The, the market, I think, has dialed this in very, very well, very timely. I think, you know, we have to really be cautious about the hog side of the equation, especially in light of the Catalan feed report showing, you know, 11.2 million head in the feedlots on July 1. Uh, I believe that's the largest since 2006. So you're talking about a 12-year high in the number of cattle in the lots and the placements number also jumping, you know, in another 101%, and that compares to a very large placements figure. Uh, just a year ago, so I think you, you. I think if you have the dollar go higher, and you and I talk about this almost every time we're together, if you have the dollar go higher, it just hurts us more and more. And it seems to me, and the hogs, especially in the feeders, to a lesser degree, not so much the fats. That the, the market has really not respected the potential of having a reduced demand in the export market and excessive supplies as we head into the holidays here in the fourth quarter. All right, well, stick around, folks. We are going to have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up here in just a moment. I want to dive a little bit more into that Catalan feed report and the quietness on the cash. And, of course, a look at the grain complex and some news. Speaking about news making national headlines, we are going to head over to France, find out some issues with the wheat and how that's affecting our trade to the positive. Stick around. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us from Global Commodity Analytics. Before we left for break, wanted to dive in quick. Your thoughts on this Catalan feed report, Mike. Did it hold up to the expectations of a Monday trade? I think for the most part, yes. I think in the medium term, cattle producers and ranchers probably should not expect a $120 summer price like we had for a high last year at this time. Susan, I think I'd settle for the 112 to 115 area 
as far as getting, say, August fats locked in. So let the feeders run as hard as they can. Start hedging those first if it were me um, or if you were working with me. I'd be hedging feeders first and then coming around and doing the fat cattle after that. Looking at the cash, are we going to see it develop midweek? And it had some struggles at the end of last week. Is it going to be a push for maybe some earlier numbers? I'm in the camp that the the, the Packers are still short bought. I'm in the camp that they're making you know 125 bucks a head in beef and only maybe 20 bucks a head in hogs. I'm in the camp that they need to come in and get some needs filled for that last summer holiday. I'll jump off that and admit that it didn't happen uh, in a couple weeks. If it doesn't happen by the end of July, first week of August, we haven't seen a big round of purchases, and I'll I'll start to think, well, the window's closed. Well, let's jump over to the the livestock, or excuse me, the grain side of the market trade today, and it's brought up a lot of conversation. I'm sure you've heard it as well. These tighter global wheat supplies. When you hear Paris being talked about on a global perspective for wheat and the lows and its effects on our trade, it's an attention getter. It is, and, and Europe is such an important player between they and Russia. They really tend to make the markets because it's very hard for us to have a bad crop here in the United States. Uh, I'm not sure why that is, but it just seems like the European and Russian crops really help uh, put a solid low in the markets. And right now, the French milling wheat is running about a three-year high. It's up at about $230 a ton. It's gone from about 190 to 230 dollars a ton in a very quick uh, move, and that's not surprising. It did almost the exact same thing in April, May, June of uh, the second quarter of 2015. But it is getting pretty hot right now. It's pretty much running on all eights. It's probably at a price level, Susan. It needs to find some new information to feed the bull. So we've got 230 in France, 219 soft red wheat at the Gulf of Mexico. Ukraine is all the way down at about $195 a ton. But here again, that's not bad because the Ukrainians are not letting go of a lot of wheat, and they probably could if they had it. So I think you've got some real issues in the northern hemisphere that the market's finally starting to put together. And and as I said, you've probably, I, I would guess it's going to be hard to keep the French market going at this stage with that new news. Um, but you've got Australia and some other countries to keep an eye out on as well. We, we look at the report that comes out this afternoon. Can we expect any surprises in this progress report and conditions? I think just the fact that the trade is not expecting more than like one point decline may uh, be a surprise in that clients in Ohio and Indiana and Illinois all commented to me on Monday that the northern halves of those states, uh, a lot of areas got missed as far as rainfall and They had some pretty hot temperatures for the first part of the week, so I would not be surprised if you saw more than one point decline in corn and beans. I think in the beans especially, and I'm writing about this on the blog tonight, about the hedge update on corn and beans, so if you're listening, you haven't gotten a trial, sign up for trial. I think it'll pay dividends to to get some intelligence on this, but I'm really eager to get back on the horse of selling into this market on the beans especially with the idea that if the weather does break and we do cool down, the extended beans, that genetic variety, is very, very strong and uh, has a very good look to it as far as yield potential. And I'm very nervous that the European Union and the United States are not going to come up with an agreement this week and essentially let the Chinese open the door for the Chinese to negotiate directly with the European Union and make this go on longer than it needs to. Cooler weathers prevail. We're in the middle of corn pollination, and, of course, beans have been blooming as well. And starting to maybe fill some pods in some areas. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm hearing. And I think some damage has been done anecdotally based upon client conversations and pictures 
and tip back and missed Phil, missed uh, Nick and, and pollination issues. You don't have to worry about that as much in the soybeans right now. And keep in mind, a lot of the reason why the corn's been able to rally, other than the weather, has been really the European wheat market and the fact that the soft red wheat here has picked up on that as well. So corn's picking up on wheat, whereas beans don't really have anything like that. And I think the the, the fact that we saw this bankruptcy in the soybean crusher, the fact that we are seeing hog herds being liquidated and called in China, and you see a, a re, small refineries in China also for oil starting to go bankrupt. China's got some economic issues that if their currency weakens too much more, and, and it's almost at, at the very lowest point it's ever been, going back to December of 2016, it's only about 2% from that level. If it gets to that level again, I'm very nervous China's going to go into recession, and then you can really start talking about some lost demand that doesn't come back. I'm obviously expecting the tightening that you're talking about. Exactly right. Best way for folks to reach you after the markets close, Mike? Go to globalanalytics.biz, and as I said, sign up for a two-week trial and uh, a lot of information on the website. Otherwise, call me if you have any questions on what we talked about, 866-471-2588. And that is a look at the Fontenelle final bell for this Monday, being brought to you by Fontenelle and all your local Fontenelle dealers, right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.